Hello everyone, thank you for being here. I really want to take a minute to extend you guys a super heartfelt, humble thank you for being part of the Sweet Empowerment Podcast. I know, believe me, I know how much content there is out in the world and out of the literally millions of places that you can be, you choose to be here with me every week. And I just want to let you know that I'm so grateful to have you here and I'm very grateful and happy each time you reach out to me and you give me some of your thoughts and feelings or questions, you coach with me or you leave me an iTunes five-star rating and review. I just want you to know that it is seen, it is recognized, and I am very humble and grateful that you enjoy the Sweet Empowerment Podcast. With that being said, I cannot wait to introduce you to my next guest. She is someone who is very near and dear to my heart, and you will soon find out why. Her name is Floyd Love, and she is the founder and creator of the Apothecary.com. Through her experimentation and exploration of various treatments and therapies to heal her emotional body and break free from the destructive patterns in her life, Floyd then realized her authentic healing path now includes shedding light for others who may be stuck in a dark place. Floyd's passion for art, cannabis, and alternative medicine, combined with her innate spiritualistic approach, has created the realm of the apothecary, a mystical place to self-heal through herbalism, metaphysics, naturopathic remedies and techniques, and products designed from her personal experience, historic rituals, and modern science to bring about a state of harmony within ourselves and the world. Can it get any better than that, guys? I don't think so. So go grab yourself a cup of tea, something to write on and with, and let's get started. You're listening to the Sweet Empowerment Podcast with Kristen Brown, where we attract and create healthy relationships by applying practical ideas, universal truths, and life-changing inspiration. Let's go have some fun together. Floyd Love, I am so incredibly happy and honored to be interviewing you. So before we even get started, I just want you to jump into how we know each other. So uh, my name is Floyd, and this is my Aunt Kristen. Um, My dad, my stepfather, is her brother, and she's been my aunt since day one. Um, We've always resonated on a very, I think, spiritual level and emotional level. And I am also very excited to talk today. I think this is probably going to be my favorite part of my week. Yay! (laughs) Well, and I don't know if you know this, but I, I literally knew you from baby newborn, baby Floyd, right out of mama, because Mm -hmm. I went and helped her with, yeah, after she was like with you home, I was like doing the dishes and whatever and helping her like get the whole thing organized. So no, I knew you when you were like that crunched up little tiny baby. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I love that. It's so great. So I just want to jump right in because we have so much to cover and I have 
since you and I had talked about this some, I don't know, many weeks ago about um, having you on my, my podcast, I, I just was swirling with questions and ideas and there's so much, but I know we'll be able to cover it. And you're so well-spoken, incredibly articulate and always have been so intelligent. You know, I, you wouldn't, no one is going to feel as if they are talking to someone that is 30 years or whatever you are younger than me. It, you know, to talk to Floyd is like, it, it's amazing, her knowledge, her insights, and it's a, it's a gift she has. Um, and I'm just really excited to jump in. So how about we just start off with uh, you talking about how, share your backstory about how you started and created the Apothefairy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just want to say thank you for everything you said. I, I've certainly, um, in our family as well, we've experienced a lot of tragedy and a lot of death and a lot of sadness and sickness and just sort of the darker sides of life. So I think for me growing up, I've always had this um, lens of reality, right? I didn't really ever have a chance to just think of life as, oh, I'm waking up and I'm going to play with my toys and see people. I always thought much deeper than that. Um, but for my apothecary, I think that that has been the culmination um, of my recovery from these experiences that I've had throughout my life, both individually and as a family, um, from addiction to being diagnosed bipolar when I was 18. Um, it, it made it very hard to accept life and to accept the life that I had been given. Um, I've tried to run, I've tried to hide, I've tried to suppress everything that has negatively impacted me. And ultimately it's made it harder to dig into the source of my pain. And the more I allowed myself to accept that and to see that everyone else actually goes through these life-changing events and it rearranges their entire being, I realized I wasn't the only one that needed this healing and I didn't feel so alone. And this was over a process of five years, right? So this wasn't like I woke up one day and knew all of this. Right. <laughs> it took time, but I, I like to describe it in this way that I took the fire that was built inside of myself from these negative experiences and personal injustices and created a warmth within myself to share with others. And by sharing these experiences and being honest about how difficult it is to get through things, mm -hmm. um, I really truly began to heal and I've healed so much of myself being the voice for other people um, going through those experiences where I did not have that voice and I had to sort of be my own voice. Um, yeah. So struggle and experience, you know, you can go to school to learn about psychology, you can go to school to learn about um, law, but ultimately if you have experience that to, in my mind, it's sort of is a different perspective. Um, and it, and it takes you on a different route on how to deal with things. hundred percent. You know, what impresses me the most is your age. How old are you? 23. I'll be 24 this December. Yes. So what I'm really loving right now is that this, this healing work is really getting more out into the world. And it's not only the 53 year olds and up that are teaching this now, because we've had to go the long and hard way. It's it's the young ones that are showing up in this way. And I really do honor you doing this work because I coach a lot of young people and I like to refer them. And sometimes they need that mother figure, you know, that auntie figure. 
And sometimes they just need to be in with their age group Mm -hmm. so that they can go, you know what? Oh oh my gosh, she's my age and she's feeling and healing and doing all the things that I want to do. But it's really super special that I'm loving to see this, this younger generation stepping up in a way and to be the voice and to share the healing journey, because it is absolutely true that all of us are somehow traumatized in our life. We all have our junk, all of us. And as soon as we know that the first step is that we're okay, we just have some junk, just like everybody else does. But I, I, I would like to know, like, what, what point did you go, I got to do something different? Like, where was it not working for you anymore? Going to doctors or, you know, yeah. whatever you, you take it away. Yeah, absolutely. No, I know exactly what you mean. I, uh, because there are so many trials and tribulations that you go through in the mental health, um, when you're trying to receive mental health uh, healing or or therapies, psychiatry is very different from psychology. It's more textbook. It's more based on medication and supplementing. Um, For me, the point where I realized something needed to change was quite, it was a few different times, right? So when I moved out of my parents' house and into a completely different state, a thousand miles away from Arizona to Oregon, I realized my independence was no longer just I'm my own being, but now I have all of these choices set out in front of me and I don't really know what to do with them. It almost felt like I, there was too many options. I could be a bad person. I could continue with my addiction. I could do that. And I think my first epiphany, if you will, or realization that I needed help was with my addiction. Um, which started when I was around 15 or 16, very young. I had just experienced sexual abuse. Um, And so I think I, in turn, just was around the wrong people. And that was what was available to me to make myself feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, And very quickly around 17 or 18, I actually met Joshua, my now husband. Mm -hmm. And I, he was not like that. He just did not have that in his world. He understood it. He had experienced it from family but he was in no way, shape or form going to be a part of somebody's life who was sort of still stuck in their pain. And it wasn't that I was like, oh, this person loves me so much and I'm going to fix everything because I want to be with this person. It was more like there are good people in this world who think I'm a good person. So I'm going to be a good person to myself. And becoming sober was the first step for me to get out of that lens that was just so distorted by my negative experiences right by the trauma and and trauma and addiction is very common to people who experience any form of trauma Mm -hmm. this big you know minuscule to intense extreme movie status type of stuff you know um but that was really truly my first epiphany the this main second one was i actually had a phone call um on a suicide hotline call when i was about 19 I want to say 19 and a half. And this person who I now call an angel, because I think people speak angelic messages through them. You know, I think that is sent to them. And for whatever reason, you know, that random person says exactly what you need to hear. And that's what happened. He said, you know, sometimes you have to walk through the fire until it doesn't hurt anymore. Mm. And it really choked me up and still does because Mm -hmm. me too. Yeah, because that's so powerful and it's still so honest about the pain and the hurt and the scary, daunting feeling of facing your 
problems and facing your inner world. It's scary. Mm -hmm. And we're not taught that those are normal life experiences, but they are. People go through things every day. Mm-hmm. And to say that your life is 100% perfect is just, it's unauthentic. It's ingenuine. Mm-hmm. And you're ultimately invalidating your own experience as a human being. And that's when you get into the whole, you know, being an aggressive driver or whatever, like it translates into your daily life. It does. And I saw that happening with myself. So I called that hotline. I had that experience and that made me realize I need to go to therapy. I need to get back into having a healthcare team that understood me and made me feel like I had a chance at life. And I did, and I found that. But with that said, it takes um, your own effort. You can go to therapy and be told all the right things, but unless you're gonna take that on and really do that work and, and practice it in your life, it's not gonna change very much for you. So it was a lot of time. I mean, I would say it's taken me about five years to really truly believe in my ability to heal myself. So why would I not go share that with the world that we all have innate gifts? We're all here for a reason. And to limit your life to a job or a relationship is to limit your experience. And I just, I didn't want to limit myself. I didn't ever want to sit in a box of being an addict or being a bipolar person or whatever, you know, I was Floyd. I just wanted to be me. Right. You know what I love so much is that your angel really validated the pain. Yeah. Validated the pain, but with an action on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're in the fire. Mm-hmm. This is shit. This is not good. And here's here's your forward steps. I right. really, really love that he wrapped something like that up in one sentence and that it just resonated with you. And also when we see how someone's words like that can, and I'm saying cut in a positive way, they can cut through the fog in such a poignant way. It makes us realize how powerful our words are as well to other people. I mean, even in just regular conversation, even not as an influencer or a healer or a teacher, it just in everyday conversations, our words can, can heal or they can harm, right? Absolutely. So um, I love that you also mentioned to do the work. There is something that I've learned too. This was a kind of a harsh reality for me going into being coaching because I'm somebody who has been on the healing path my entire life. I've been super in touch with my intuition. I've always believed in some kind of higher power, some divine something, Um, you know, I see dead people, you know, the whole, all of it. And that radiates off of you. So you are naturally (laughs) going to attract those types of people that need healing. So I, I just have always been on that path. So naturally when I became a coach, I assumed everybody else was. So I was (laughs) spewing my knowledge and my wisdom all over anybody that had a problem. And I noticed a lot of times that them pushing me away. And I took it personally. I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be saying this. And what I realized that it had nothing to do with me and it had everything to do with the fact that they weren't ready because if they were ready, then they receive and they go, that makes sense. I love that. This, 
and but the the closed heart and mind that is not ready will push you will push it away so i believe that's what you're saying floyd when you're saying it's not only about going to the therapy or doing the healing or getting the information it's really about being active participant in this going this is the tool that was handed to me and i'm going to implement that in my life now and I'm sure you can be a testament to this. Did you just, when you start seeing the change, mm-hmm. what happens? It makes you want to work even harder. It really does because you, you realize your own power. And I can tell you at 18 years old, when they told me, well, you're bipolar and you have this and you have that. I wanted to, you know, give them the bird because no, I'm not. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to take that on. I don't want to live that life. No. But the minute I did, the minute I finally just said, I'm not doing this because I want my parents to be happy. I'm not doing this because I want to go back to school and make people happy and think I'm, you know, this person or whatever. I'm not going to do this because my relationship says that that's what I should do. I'm going to do this because I want it. Mm-hmm. And it takes a second to get there. And that I believe is when you say, I want it. I want that healing. That's when your healing starts. Amen. From that moment on. You Amen. Are- yes. Yeah. Oh my God. I, first of all, I've been one big goosebump since we started talking. I'm just saying. Me too. <laughs> I'm just like a big goosebump sitting over here. I know I had to cover myself up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Because yes, when, when it really is that, and I talk about that a lot to people in this episode and every or in episode, this podcast and everything, I'm always saying it just takes that decision. It's just a decision that I, I want something different. I'm going to take responsibility for my life now. And I don't, I don't know. I'm in the, I'm scared. I don't know where I'm going. It's foggy. I can't see, but I'm, I'm headed in that direction. You have literally changed your trajectory. Even if you just rotated, even just a rotation, your, your trajectory (laughs) has started to go a different direction, even though you may not have taken a step forward. And I just love that so much. Yes. So how was a, a alternative medicine introduced into your life in reading your bio and things like that. I love that you were talking about herbalism and metaphysic and naturopathic remedies. And just for the sake of clarity for everybody, let's talk about what alternative medicine is. And if you could give like quick definitions and they could be really easy and fast of herbalism, metaphysics, and naturopathic remedies. So naturopathic remedies uh, tend to have like the aromatherapy. It also has a lot to do with just uh, focusing on what is going on inside your body on a physiological level, as well as a chemical level. Um, But there's also like, it's, I mean, naturopathic is really an integration of Western and Eastern medicine is the best way to put it. It is. Metaphysics is more so getting into things like manifestation, um, where you're, you know, doing uh, practices like, you know, offerings or something like that. Metaphysics also has to do with energy, frequency, vibration. Um, and then what was the other one you asked about? I'm sorry. Herbalism. Yeah, herbalism. Herbalism is <laughs> herb. Herb, herbalism. <laughs> I love people whose names are herb. I just love that name so much. I'm like, oh my gosh, whoever made that up is amazing. Herb, but then do you want to call him herb? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, herb. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, so herbalism is mainly the use of plants and uh, medicines that come from the ground, the earth, you know, things like that. Pretty, pretty basic. So how did you, how, how is it introduced into your life? Ah, um, introduced into my life first with actually Teresa, who you know, mm -hmm. um, and she's a naturopathic doctor, MD. Um, and I had scoliosis growing up and I had tried a lot of different stuff, but obviously being young, they weren't going to give me prescription painkillers for the pain. Um, and being a ballerina, I was constantly bending and putting myself out of, out of adjustment or out of alignment. So I would go and get these adjustments done um, with these tools and essentially get massaged and acupuncture and it would give me relief for months at a time. So at the time being eight or nine years old, I didn't know the science behind it and I'm still learning the science behind it, but I was feeling the effects and the positive impact from it. So it's always been effective for me in my life. Um, and then also with my younger brother who has um, a really rare disease called parotitis where his salivary glands only work at about 20%. So he's constantly drinking something, you know, certain foods really affect him. And sometimes they would blow up and inflame and mm -hmm. we would take him to our doctor, Teresa, um, at this clinic and she would do um, laser light therapy and massaging with different oils, having him um, swish around different oils. And he actually, for about maybe six or seven months, did this therapy. And for, I want to say 15 years of his yes. life, yeah, from five to about 20, he had no issues whatsoever. So again, I was just given the plain evidence of it all. I didn't really ever question it um, until I got older and wanted to see what else was, was possibly healing for myself. Um, but yeah, it was really, truly that, um, my, my just truly my own experiences and my mom introducing us into it. She also, um, we would make lotions and soaps for people with natural ingredients from our garden. Um, you know, later on in my life, when I was 18, I chose to use, start using cannabis, which I consider a form of herbalism. It is a plant. You do use it in different ways. You can smoke it, eat it, use it as a salve, lotions. Um, but well, when that let's, was- Let's pause there, Floyd, because yeah. I do want to talk about this. You know, what did you call Grandma Annalise? Because everybody called her something else. Was she Papa, Bobby, Nana? Who was she to you? I, I, I called her Gma Annalise. Okay. Or just just um, Grandma- just grandma to her face. Okay. Okay. So yeah. grandma Annalise, which is my mother. Yes. Um, so yeah, when I was living over there, she would be in the kitchen with, I think it was, I think it was a bottle of tequila. I don't remember. You might remember this. I don't remember, but she was not a drinker. So this was not oh. a drink thing, but then she would have the landscaper Jose bring her weed and she would put it, do you remember this at all? She, I vaguely remember Charlie telling me, yes. Yes, she would put it, her and, and Pino, my stepfather, as you know, would yes. put it in this, this mixture. I, and I, I wouldn't know this. I would just see this, this mixture, this you know, <laughs> witchy poo juice on the counter. Yes. I'd say, what is that mom? She'd say, oh, this is to help my arthritis. And she would make these, what do you call them? A poultice? What do you call it when you wet uh, it, pull it, put it on your body, like wet a piece of material with something and put it on your body as a poultice? Uh, I think so. Or I, just, I don't know, a wrap? I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. She would put some kind of wrap on her knees and what have you. And this was supposed to have help. This is the very first time that I was 
introduced to marijuana being something that could be healing. Right. I am somebody that does believe that we can heal ourselves from what the earth brings us. There is things here that we need to use. And sometimes that it, we're looking more for the quick fix and the pill and the magic pill that's going to fix it now, which a lot of times really just hides the symptoms of that thing. So I would love to pick your brain about just the healing properties of cannabis. Why are we calling it cannabis and not marijuana? What's, what's the difference, the THC stuff, the, all the, give us the goods. (laughs) I'll give you the rundown. So actually I love that you asked, why do people call it cannabis versus marijuana versus weed? Marijuana, the term was actually created during the war on drugs time where it was like dare and all that type of stuff. And there was actually a a battle between whether or not hemp or lumber was going to become the main port, whatever that word is, Mm -hmm. the main uh, source of material for industrial buildings and things like that and cars and all of that. And um, lobbyists over time, what they did was they said, oh, uh, people are bringing marijuana, you know, with an accent from Mexico into our states and this is a lethal drug that's gonna make you go crazy and make you lose your mind and jump off a bridge and it's really hallucinogenic and all this crazy stuff um so marijuana is actually technically a derogatory term towards cannabis because Mm -hmm. it was created to annihilate the the opportunity for anybody to use cannabis as a healing prop as a healing potential or for buildings Um, once we got into the 2000s and things started to change medically um, for cancer patients, mm-hmm. that, that's when we started to open up the possibility for pe- for scientists in our country to research the plant just to get their hands to research it. That was such a feat um, mm-hmm. because there are so many laws still today in place that make it impossible for people to acquire a mass amount of um, can of cannabis and then use it for not distribution, but then use it to study. Um, luckily that's changing, like I said, but cannabis is absolutely 100% a historically sacred plant. Mm -hmm. It's been used for 4,000 years. There were remedies and salves, um, that were created in ancient Egypt that um, Egyptian princesses and princes would use during their marriages as anointment oils. They used hemp uh, paper to write some of the first scripture. Um, And this is all historical. This is all physical evidence of cannabis being in our society for, you know, millennial or whatever. And I think now that we're sort of circling back to that um, place, it's interesting to see that it's, it's, as you know, with my background as a bud tender working in a dispensary, I've seen all types of people, right? I've seen the, the people who need true healing, true health, and the people who are just looking to have a good time. I don't judge them any less or any more than the other because cannabis is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. But the potential for cannabis mainly is that THC, um, which is the main component in, C- in cannabis, is what gets you high, right? And THCA, which is THC, the molecule before it is smoked or trans, before it's heated up, that actually doesn't have any psychoactive effects. It's because of the way our body processes it. So what that tells us in science is that this plant has potential to be 
embedded into our system. We also all have endocannabinoid systems within our nervous system. And the endocannabinoid system intakes things like THC and CBD and CBN and CBG. And all of those are just different um, terpenes is what they're called in the cannabis plant. It's essentially their DNA. So that's where you get the different strains, the different percentages, because just like us, plants have DNA. Mm -hmm. Um, And because we are made up of earth, the idea of a plant being ingested in us, just like eating food, of course, it's going to mesh with our system well. Right. At the the same time, um, you know, there's, there's so much I could go into about how THC affects you. Um, as far as like long-term use, because you do build a tolerance, um, you know, cannabis is like Tylenol to me. It's like, it works for some people. It doesn't work for some people, but what I have seen cannabis be most helpful for is for cancer patients with nausea. There are particular terpenes that really help to settle the stomach muscles and actually dilate your esophagus and your intestines to make gigantic excuse me, digestion easier. (laughs) And there's also a lot of support for people who have fibromyalgia, nervous system um, issues like from trauma where they don't feel in that area um, and it causes pain. I've also seen it be helpful for Lyme's disease. Um, Obviously I've seen it help for mental health as far as anxiety goes. And with the introduction of CBD, which is a non-psychoactive, non-high creating terpene in the cannabis plant. It's typically very, very low percentage, but they are now creating more with CBD. And CBD is really where I see a lot of the healing benefit come from. And again, this is because we've researched it. This is because we've tested it on ourselves. We are the guinea pigs of this Mm -hmm. medicine right now. Mm -hmm. So staying aware of that is really important, but I think CBD is, is has potential for people who have severe insomnia, uh, people, veterans with PTSD, severe PTSD flashbacks, obviously people with anxiety, because CBD, it goes into your brain and it tells your brain, hey, you don't need to be this focused on say this part of your body that has pain. I'm going to fill up those receptors with calm, comforting, um, anti-inflammatory properties. That's essentially what CBD does. And it's going to calm that area where those, uh, where the CBD is being intake. Yeah. Taken in. Mm-hmm. And it's going to tell your brain, Hey, you don't need to basically stop sending these pain receptors here. We got it. We got it covered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. I like to say CBD is like your handyman, you know, he kind of just comes in and like t- tools and, and tinkers with what needs to be tinkered. Well, let me just interrupt right there because the one thing yeah. that I've heard from so many people, you know, I've done hair for, I did hair for 28 years. I just say 30 to round up if you, yeah. if you're school. and you know, I've, I've talked to so many people all throughout my life and I hear so many different things and stories and I get introduced to a lot of cool things and things that people are doing. And one of the things that I'd heard along the way is that people that who did have sleep issues really wanted to, you know, they were led in the direction of, I will call it cannabis now, instead of marijuana mm-hmm. led in that direction and they were willing to try anything. And these weren't people that anybody would call a drug person, or they didn't even really drink, right. you know, but they were so desperate for something, but they didn't want the high. They didn't want the feeling of being out of control or not in their person. Right. And they found certain derivatives 
I am not a master in this stuff, but that's no, that's right. Right, yeah. okay. Of the plant that they could reap the benefits from it and not feel the high or feel any sort of other yeah. sort of side effects. So, and like you're saying with the cancer patients, I mean, this, my God, you're right. This was going on probably when you were just even very little, when yeah. I started hearing about this, where I was like, right. oh, they're using it for cancer patients. I'm like, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, so this is where it gets really interesting because how do you feel about Eastern and Western medicine being integrated? Because, and, and, and Floyd and I both want to say right now to everybody that we, neither one of us are doctors, right? <laughs> this is all experience. Yeah. Always consult your physician for any personalized medical advice. And, and we're not qualified healthcare providers. We are just people sharing our experience and knowledge and wisdom with the world. And you always need to seek your professional person for your medical ailments and issues that you are dealing with. But with that being said, I would like to hear from you, Floyd, about how you feel about the two, the Western and the Eastern fronts colliding and what that means. Um, I think it's absolutely beautiful. I think, of course, the more information and studies and data that we receive about these topics, the more chance, the bigger chance we have at healing this world and healing mm -hmm. each other. Um, but I think also I see in, like you were saying earlier with my generation and, and even a couple generations above me and below me, and even your generation, there's a consciousness shift happening. Mm -hmm. So I think people are not only integrating this idea of Eastern and Western medicine. I also think people are starting to integrate spirit and science. Mm -hmm. uh, people are looking for more truth in reality. They're looking to understand things at a deeper level. And I think because of that, we are exploring now in the Western culture, the Eastern cultures, medicine and methods and techniques, which have been created, which were created much, 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 much further along, much, you know, much before. Way um, long ago. <laughs> yes, way long ago before any Western medicine was created. So I think that that in and of itself, having the historical backing, um, provides enough validation for why Eastern medicine could be a potential proponent for all of us. Well, have you heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza? I have not. Oh God, you would love him. So Dr. Joe, I won't get into all of his work, but basically he <laughs> had broken his back where they wanted him to have a Harrington rod surgery, which meant he would have a surgery up the length of his spine. Wow. He was a chiropractor at the time. And he said, well, if there is a, a divine power, if there is a higher power, because I don't want that because he was a, a triathlete at the time. That would have messed it up. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So he said, if there is a divine power, I'm going to heal myself. And if I'm successful with this, then I'm going to spend the rest of my life researching it and sharing this with the world. So what did he do? He laid face down in his bed for months and months and months at a time, only meditating about rebuilding his spine. And if he got waylaid in that, like he's, you know, up to the fifth vertebrae, you know, cervical vertebrae, yeah. and he's went off into his, you know, something else to do, he'd bring back and start over. Mm -hmm. and he would not stop until he could completely see the rebuilding of his spine in his mind. Wow. And it, he said at first it took him hours and hours and hours to do that. And he got it down to like 40 minutes. And one day he literally just got up out of his face down bed. He was staying at his friend's apartment, walked in and he said, I'm leaving. 
He was wow. done over with, and he is now, he is huge in the world. I just love him to death and I love his work, but this is what I think you're trying to say is that there is ways to, to integrate the metaphysical healing or the holistic healing that it's, it's not always about a pill. Yes. Yes. And I can vouch for that as my own experience being by uh, diagnosed bipolar, you're often given quite the cocktail of medication yes. because it is a very severe, you know, disorder of the mind and it's debilitating completely. So they want to get you back on track as quickly as possible. So I was given 1200 milligrams of lithium, which is a very old drug. It's horrible for your liver and kidneys. It destroyed mine. It made everything worse, made me more angry. Um, but it's what's given to people who are bipolar. It's the first medication they give you. Um, I was given two other antipsychotics and sleeping uh, sedatives for anger bouts and things like that as needed. But I was recommended to, you know, take three to four pills every day as an 18 year old. Wow. And that just wasn't realistic. That wasn't practical for who I was. And I went with it, you know, I went and I tried a lot of different medications throughout my life. And for me, I am not somebody who says, you know, if somebody's going through something, I'm not going to look at them and say, well, maybe you should go to your doctor and get a pill. The first thing I would probably say is obviously, well, what do you want to do about it? But <laughs> the first thing I'd probably say is I think you should talk to somebody who can give you some direction on what to do. But I myself, I do take one medication now, which I'm very grateful for. It has kept me at a level of balance so that even if my brain decides, hey, today's going to be a bad day, I'm still level-headed enough to do the things that I need to do to take care of myself. Love that. And that's what medication is. I also tell people medication isn't forever. You take it for as long as you need. You go to counseling for as long as you need. And then when you feel ready, go fly, go use yes, those things yes. that you've built up. That's beautiful. And if you need to come home and nest a little bit, do that. Don't be afraid of yourself. I think that that's truly what self-healing is about. I think with the integration of Eastern medicine into Western medicine, that is their focus. Their focus is total well-being, mind, body, spirit. And I think that's what we've been missing in the Western culture. Right. And I love what you were saying about honoring yourself if this is really about in part of it is the return back to self is literally about learning to trust yourself yeah because we can get so waylaid on our path that we lose sight of who we are what we need what we're even thinking what we want we don't we can't even name an emotion yeah so it's it's really about returning to self and if medication i've seen this many times too medication can get us centered enough that we can just start thinking a little bit more clearly. Yes. You know, Floyd and I had a fam two family members that were killed by a drunk driver. My best friend, her, her aunt, auntie, Wendy, and her cousin, Haley, and um, who was my best friend's daughter. And so they were killed by a drunk driver. And during that time, I, I literally ran into a, I was backing out of a parking garage at a hair show and I ran the front end of my forerunner into a column. I knew I had hit it and I continued to back up and back up and back. And I was like, you know, you hit something, you stop, you pull forward. I was so jacked up that mm -hmm. I did. I went to the doctor. I got on Zoloft for four months. I was like, I am a nervous wreck. I can't even think. And what that did was to help slow things down for me so that I could really reconnect to like a clear way of thinking. 
And yes. when I when I got through that, I was I was ready to go off of it. And she allowed me to. She said, I believe yours was situational and you needed to get off. But the point is, is that, you know, this is really about a big picture. I think we're talking about here, right, Floyd? Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's not just take a pill and call it a good day. It's not just read a book and think you know everything. It's not just listen to one doctor or two doctors or, you know, um, taking care of your body is a job. It's a hard job to do, but it's so, so worth it. And I think to what you were saying earlier was when you try to escape from yourself versus face yourself, you're just building that wall up higher. It's just going to take that much longer to get to that point where you're like, okay, I'm ready. And I think also it's proof of how energy works. If you experience something, your body has muscle memory, not just in your brain, but you know, if you were abused and somebody kind of, you know, was aggressive towards you, if somebody acts that way towards you in a playful way, it might still trigger your body to then react like fight or flight or freeze mode mm -hmm. where you're, you know, triggered and, and traumatized again. Um, and, and so I think to your point, that's an, that's an example of validating how energy works. Something happens to you. Your body is physiologically changed your mm -hmm. brain, yeah. the way it works, the paths that it takes, the choices it makes for something I learned in, in um, outpatient program was your brain goes through this process when you experience something. First, you have the emotion that is attached to how that makes you feel. Then you have the thought about what am I going to do about how that makes me feel? Then you have your action, your behavior, what you actually end up expressing outwardly. And the key to learning about yourself and your patterns and how things have affected you in your life is recognizing that thought right in between the emotion and the action. Because oftentimes it's like, oh, somebody pissed me off. Well, fuck blah, 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 blah. And I don't like you and no, no, no. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. Yep. That thought in between is going to tell you how to actually solve this problem and it not just be a short-term solution like pills or like, you know, anything of that sort, smoking a cigarette or drinking every night to deal with how you deal with things. Mm -hmm. There are legal, legal, um, things that kill us, you know, and they're considered normal and appropriate and allowed. Right. And so it's just, we live in a world where self-healing is not promoted, but I think nowadays with this consciousness shift, um, we have no choice but to focus on this. This is the missing link. This is what we've forgotten about. Yeah. I love that. And I believe that <laughs> wholeheartedly. I want to just jump back to two things that you said, because they're both just so poignant. One is that I wanted to address the shame that people will feel when they feel like they need to, they're just starting to recognize that maybe they do need some help. They've been ignoring it. They've been excusing it. They've been trying to go through life, but, but wreaking havoc and leaving a, a trail of destruction in their wake. Not that they mean to because they're loving, gentle, beautiful souls, but this thing, the stuff inside of them is, is outwardly showing up in a, in a very dysfunctional way at, at the moment, it can feel very shameful. And yeah. I talk about this a lot to people about what it really means. And I would love to hear your take on addressing if you did the shame or any advice you could give to someone who's might be in that shame moment. 
my first thing I would say is never be shameful for being a human because your humanity is your savior and your sanctuary and is your power. And being vulnerable is not bad and being a bad person at times who recognizes that you obviously are not a bad person. If you, mm-hmm. if you're like asking yourself that, am I being a bad person? You're probably not a bad person exactly. because that recognition is coming from such a good place. Right. Um, but there have been times in my life where I have been absolutely shameful, guilty, hating myself, beating myself up and doing really not good things to people being selfish and thinking, well, and I think this is where this comes from is, well, if life is going to shit all over me, I'm going to choose when that happens. Yeah. So I'm going to take control of control. the pain and I'm going to inflict it on myself. And it's my choice and it's not okay. anybody else. And I think shame comes from that because you know, it's wrong. I mean, there's been times where I've, I've punched a wall and, and, and hurt my hand to a point where, it, you know, it was bruised and bad yeah. and, I can't tell you to this day why I did it, but in that moment, that's what felt like the only thing I could do to make myself feel better. And something that I learned was 15 minutes a day. And this is actually something my mom taught me. 15 minutes a day, you give yourself to freak out. 15 minutes a day while you're going through this nasty stuff. 15 minutes a day, lock yourself in your closet, scream in a pillow, yell it all out, cry it all out, write it down, rip it up, burn it, do what you got to do to express that shame, that pain, that guilt, because it's only going to fester inside you. So again, the the main thing I would say is never be shameful for your humanity. That is 100% your power. Absolutely. And I, and I, and I love that, that expressing thing. I was a pillow screamer yeah. And you know, I gave myself permission. I've probably told it in some of these episodes where I gave myself permission to feel angry after a huge betrayal and yeah. what appeared to be the scariest thing ever. Like I just did not want to feel this anger because I felt like it was just going to, the world was going to blow up. Really what it was happening was holding it inside, was having it bleed out onto other people. Mm-hmm. When I finally just let it come out in a healthy operative word here, healthy way, yeah. it dissipated. Yes. So yes. Be, yeah. And the whole thing about shame, everybody is we're all fallible. Yeah. And part of what I talk about a lot on our healing journey is giving ourselves grace. And we do that by, by knowing we will never be perfect. And this is part of the human experience as crappy yes. as it is, sometimes as painful as, as it is, sometimes you're not alone. Yes. You're and never I'm alone. Exactly. Like exactly that. And, and how I also think of that is like a balloon, you know, you can look at a balloon, it's completely full. It's on the verge of popping. And you could just look at that and be so mad that it's all your shit is all big and crazy. But when you start to heal and you start to practice that grace, little bits of that air come out and that balloon gets smaller and smaller and smaller. It doesn't go away. It just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And eventually there's no air, there's no power that you're giving to that pain and to that shame. So you're, you're now just left with an empty balloon and eventually you're going to be like, why do I still carry this around? Right. 
So that. that's a nice analogy that I, I think of when I, it is. And you were talking about slowing down earlier, just a few minutes ago. And this is a great segue into meditation because you and I are both huge advocates of meditation. I really feel like, honestly, it's meditation is my medicine. Yep. With anything that's going on, I just really need to stop. Like this morning I was feeling, just woke up some kind of way, just yep. some kind of way. Don't even know why. And I was feeling all kinds of, and I just said, all right, what do you, what do you know about this, Kristen? And, you know, drop to the ground. I call it the ground or the bed because I lay a lot of people do other positions. I'm a layer. I don't want to sit up while I'm doing yep. meditation. And I dropped to the ground and I did my meditation because it's, that's just my cue that I need to center. So I love, first of all, uh, um, her Floyd's Instagram page is the apothecary. Yes. Yes. And we'll spell that for you. Cause it is a little different spelling <laughs> and she does live guided meditations. Yes. 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 And every, every Monday on our Instagram live from six to six 30 mountain standard time. Um, we do a guide. I do a guided meditation and every week is a different topic. You can also be hired for one-on-one -on -one guided meditations following with a coaching session at the end. Yes. Yes. I just started my love meditations, um, little kind of side gig with apothecary. Um, I love doing meditations. I started the Monday meditation initiative for myself so that I would meditate every week because I was off of that, um, that grind for a while. And these one-on-one -on -one meditations, um, were brought on to me actually by some of my followers who just wanted one-on-one -on -one meditations with me. So I basically create, um, a unique and personalized guided meditation based on whatever topic of healing you are looking for. I have you fill out a little form. Um, and then I create a script and a playlist that you listen to. And then afterwards we discuss your experiences. That is so cool. And I love that you are doing that because I, I don't know anybody that's doing that right now. I have not seen anybody <laughs> doing that out in the world. It's like so innovative. <laughs> So it's, cool. It's awesome. It's awesome. I love it. What have you found the benefits of meditation to be for you? Um, meditation was first introduced to me when I was about 15 or 16. I would light candles in my room and I would sort of just uh, chill and close my eyes and just focus on breathing. And I, I guess as I got older, obviously that those, the breath work changed and the techniques and the imagery and the visions and whatnot. Um, all became a lot more expanded and grand. But for me, meditation has helped a lot with my anger. Um, I would say that it has also helped a lot with my anxiety. And it has also helped a lot with my self-esteem. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer in the fact that your brain hears everything that you say, and it's a computer. So it's going to store all of that. And whether you know it or not, that's all stuck in your subconscious. And it could come mm -hmm. out at any time when you feel like an experience is making you kind of feel that way or whatever. Meditation has made it possible for me to see my worth and see that being a being, right? Being a soul inside of a body mm -hmm. is precious. Mm -hmm. And knowing that you are this infinite being that could be anything in the world and yet you're here now doing what you're doing, feeling and thinking what you're thinking is special mm -hmm. and meditations like you said it centers you I got I have a tattoo on my chest right here that says a line mm -hmm. I see it every day and mm -hmm. that is my cue like you said to oh 
I need to center myself. I need to align right now. And I think, again, meditation to a lot of people is very scary. They're like, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to just focus on my breath, but your body does know how to do that because that's essentially why some people fall asleep, right? It's Mm -hmm. that state of just being, you're Mm -hmm. just being a being. There's no experience of what my personality should be like, how I should be talking or what tone of voice or language or how people are perceived. You're just in yourself. And Mm -hmm. it's, it really is such a prolific experience. The more and more you do it again, it's like that balloon, the more and more you do it, the easier it becomes. It Mm -hmm. becomes a part of your brain's natural um, pattern. Right. And I think what really it does for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people too, is that we've got an ego and we have a spirit. So we have an ego self and a spirit self, a higher self and a lower self. And that ego self is so loud and it really wants to run the show. And it's it, a lot of people listen to it because it's the loudest voice in the room always. And our spirit self is a quiet, neutral voice. And we tend to not hear that because the ego is drowning it out. So for me, getting into a meditation and doing it regularly. Mm-hmm. What it does for me is it quiets that ego self down and allows me to be in my being, to yeah. be in my spirit so that I can function in the world more from a centered, grounded, love-based space rather than a fearful, scary, ego-based space. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So I want to talk real quickly about what type of products that you offer because you do make teas and I'm not going to get the right word, but those little things that you can burn that are herbs. Oh, the herbal pre-rolls. Yeah. The pre-rolls. And yeah. yeah. So let's, let's hear about those. Yeah. So, um, I've been developing these products since probably last year. Um, but I started the apothecary in December. So most of carry or apothecary. Oh, it is a pot. The name of my, of my brand is the apothecary, A P O T H E. And then fairy is spelled F A I R I E. So kind of a cuter little version of that, but. So it's an apothecary from apothecary. Yes. From the apothecary. So I sort of gave myself that, right. So I'm this apothecary. It's a, it's an apothecary, but then there's this like sort of mystical fairy fun, um, childlike wonder attached to it. So my products are all vegan. They're all cruelty-free. They're all fair trade market, um, ingredients and everything I use is natural from the earth. Uh, which is the most important thing to me, but I have herbal pre-rolls, which do not have any cannabis in them. I think people hear herbal pre-rolls sometimes and they think cannabis, but they have only herbs in them, um, such as like roses or lavender. We have calendula um, joints as well. And then we have tea pops, which are um, these little sugar cubes that you stir into your cup of tea. And there's a tea bag inside of that. And then it sort of colors your tea. There's sparkles involved. It's just a fun way to- Get out of here. There's sparkles yeah. involved. I need yes. to- <laughs> I wanted to make, you know, I really, really want to make healing interesting and fun and interactive. Because and lighthearted. Because it yeah. doesn't have to be as scary as everybody and serious. It can exactly. be fun. Exactly. So we have the tea pops. I also have this really cool blends- Um, called sip, soak, and toke blends. So sip, meaning you can use those blends for tea. uh, Soak, meaning you can use them as bath soaks or 
toke, meaning you can use it as a pre-roll and put it with your cannabis or put it into your own joint. Those ones actually come with a pre-roll joint of that blend. So you can try that out if you'd like already made for you. And then I'm also starting to do some bath products, some um, not necessarily beauty, but to revitalize the skin, to work um, on your divine feminine energy. And all of my products have an ingredients and intentions list. So every time you get the product, you know exactly what it's supposed to be used for, why it was created with what it was created and all of the good stuff like that. And these are, these are natural herbs. Yes. Floyd's yes. talking about this isn't any sort of fake stuff or, you know, no. she's just picking up at the corner dime store. Yeah. These no. <laughs> things that are researched yes. for their healing properties. And again, all those things she just listed are not, do not contain cannabis. This is a, the side gig, another healing uh, modality. Yes, exactly. Another way to heal yourself. Yes. It's so, pure herbalism. Yes. Say it again. I said it's purely herbalism, but I like to call it artistic herbalism. So how can somebody know if a therapy or product is right for them? Definitely the first thing I can think of is that if it doesn't resonate with you the first few times that you try it, the chances are it's probably not for you. Um, although it, it, that's not to say like give up on therapy or treatments because they don't work the first time. Try to give every option a chance when it comes to self-healing and self-discovery you know, it's sort of like we build up these skills in this personal toolbox that everyone has, and it becomes filled with all these techniques and, and practices that help heal you and, and others around you. And we think because something worked for somebody else that it should work for us. And we can become really upset when it doesn't. But that again, is just another cue for us to say, oh, I'm my own person. I need to figure it out for me. Yes, it's great that I can take these you know, take the initiative and try something new, but be real with yourself, be authentic with yourself and don't try something because somebody else said to, you know what I mean? Like I love making my products, but I also love doing guided meditation. So just don't limit yourself to one mode of healing. I agree with that. I wrote down here therapy slash integrate. What that means is yes, do what is needed on the Western side. If you do need to do therapy you do it if you're learning if you're getting something from it if you're feeling released from it awesome if you're not if maybe your person you're not resonating with that exact therapist there is someone for you and i do believe yeah. if you let go and let the universe guide you that mm -hmm. person will show up in your life regardless yes. and also be willing to i tell people be willing to explore sound healing meditation um, you know, getting into nature, cannabis, if you will, herbal supplements and teas and all yoga, just, you also do yoga on a yes. ferry. I've seen yes. you there in your downward dog sometimes when I'm passing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think, I think things like therapy, Reiki healing, um, which is energy healing, meditation, diet, exercise, and then of course, being authentic and honest on your journey, you know, don't hold back if you know you need help and you need something to make self-healing easier. And that's my goal is to make self-healing simple and interesting. And there's joy and excitement involved in taking care of yourself so that it makes you want to come back and do it again. And I, and I love that because it is, it is, it's, it, and what I found when I started to heal, when I started to get my, not that I'm still on this journey, I would never let anybody think I'm done. Right. Exactly. exactly. 
Yep. <laughs> wrote a book. I coach it now and I learn stuff every day and I'm always willing. I'm always willing. And here's why, because once I started to feel better, I, I was thirsty for more. I'm like, if I can feel this good, I can feel even better. I can feel it. And other things came up in my life mm-hmm. and I call it up leveling. I was given another situation or experience as an opportunity to grow myself, not to point fingers out and say that person sucks and blows. I took it as, okay, I need, what can I do in this situation? And what's interesting is a lot of time it's sort of ironic is we feel so out of control with life because what we are trying to control is uncontrollable. It's other people and outside things. When we know that, that we can change and control ourselves that's where the beauty is for me. That's where the miracle is because we can go, I do have control and it's over me. I can mm-hmm. say no. I can try a new method. I can do this. I can stop seeing this people. I can set a boundary. I, you know, I can listen to this, whatever. We just start getting in control of ourselves. And that to me, it got really fun because I knew I was no longer the victim of things yes. that were happening. Yes, it is. Life is truly about your response to your experiences and how you react to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do a lot of uh, reading of Buddhist scripture and Christian mm-hmm. scripture and Catholic scripture, and even reading things from the Quran, Islamic scripture. And, you know, I like to find comparisons in their values and virtues on how to be a good person. Right. And I'm in no way affiliated with any of them. I sort yeah. of am the good person. I like to take the good and leave the rest, you know, mm-hmm. um, if something resonates with me and it's of love and light, I'm going to go with it for as long as it takes me to the right path. But like you're saying it, it really is about allowing yourself to have the process, allowing yourself to be real. I mean, I just don't know how else to put it. You just have to be real with yourself. It takes people a long time to even accept that they need the healing that they need. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's hard to see that, but it's, but then you, you start to recognize the victim in other people. You start oh, to yeah. recognize, you know, their pain. And then you're like, oh man, like, was I like that? Like, did I feel that way one time? And, you know, you start to recognize again, how much control you have over yourself, how much control you have in your life. Every step you take is a green light to say, go do life, do Mm -hmm. it, try it, see what happens, you know, Mm -hmm. be smart about your decisions, but be even smarter about your well-being and knowing what is best for yourself and what is not good for yourself. And I love that the whole point about validating you and what resonates period. I will even say in the midst of a coaching session, is this resonating? Cause if it's not, and they're like, Oh no, no. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm not your boss. Yeah. I'm never your boss. And, and if they say, well, what would you do in this situation? I guide them to what they would do in this situation. Do you see what I'm saying? In a, in a friend conversation might be different, but in a coaching situation, it's really about bringing you back to yourself all the time, like honoring yourself above everything. What do you need in this moment? So one, one final question, and I love to always end our interviews with this question is if you could tell your younger self, three things that, you know, now that you think would have aided you on your journey, what would they be? Oh, goodness. I, I think about this a lot and I'm doing a lot of inner child work right now and, um, in therapy as well as alone. So this is wonderful question. (laughs) Um, I love that you ask people that that's awesome. I think for me, the first thing I would say is don't give up whatever you're doing. Just don't give up. Don't, don't give up dance. Don't give up school. Don't give up the good friends. 
The second thing I would probably say is it doesn't matter what you think you think because you don't know. Right. And I know that might not make sense, but no, <laughs> yeah, like you, you think you might know, but you don't. And I mean that in the sense of like, you may feel like you don't know yourself or you do know yourself and this is all you're ever going to be. Um, cause it's just not true. We naturally evolve and you're never really stuck. So that would be the second thing. And then the, the third thing I'd probably say is, um, utilize the love around you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. utilize your support because I was very, very blessed to have the opportunity to go to therapy, to go to outpatient, to have all of these different Reiki sessions and things. So, you know, be more grateful for the love that's around you and not just the anxieties and things. Mm, I love that so much. So where can everybody find you? You guys uh, can find me on Instagram and Facebook. You just type in the apothecary. Again, that's the, the just regular word, T-H-E-A-P-O-T-H-E-F-A-I-R-I-E. And um, we're on Instagram. Again, I have my Monday meditations every Monday on our Instagram story. It's a live story. We're there from six to 6.30 Mountain Standard Time. And then on Facebook, I post uh, pretty much the same stuff and just kind of, two avenues of, um, interaction with our communities slowly, but surely growing. And it's a really amazing thing that I'm super honored to be a part of all these people's healing journeys now. I just love it so much. And I love, I love when I have time because I don't have a lot of time to go through my socials, but when I do, and I see you've posted something, I'm always excited to see it because it is just the visual because you are an artist as well. The, the, (laughs) The visual aspect of it, the color aspect of it the articulation of it. The whole thing is just like so inviting. And I really invite anybody who's interested in anything that we've Floyd and I have talked about today to visit the apothecary, follow her. I know you have a podcast too, don't you? I also do have a podcast. (laughs) I'm hoping to have you on soon because I think that would just be amazing. But yes, my, uh, my marketing, I call her my marketing genius, but my marketing director, Josie, she um, and I do a podcast every other Friday where we talk about self-healing, different techniques and just different things. We did one on law of attraction and manifestation. We did one on cannabis. So lots of different topics and we're always open to suggestions. Awesome. I just want to give you the biggest hug over this video right now. I love you so much. <laughs> I love you too. It's so, so wonderful. I really feel honored to have you on here. And once I got on Instagram, because I wasn't on it, you know, I was on there, but not really. Once, you know, Sydney, my daughter, your cousin, yeah. started really pushing me to be on it. Then, then I started really opening up to the Floyd world. And I was like, what the freak is going on over here? <laughs> I'm so grateful you are. I'm so grateful you're on now. Yeah. And I was really excited to, I was like, right away, I was messaging. I'm like, girl, we got to talk. We got to talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so thank you so, so much for being here. I love you. And I just can't wait to see where you're going. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. And I'm also very grateful that I have such a wonderful, wonderful human being in my life as I do for you. So it's just very, very, we are very blessed to have each other. I hope you all enjoyed this interview as much as I did. And if you did, I would sure appreciate it if you jumped over to iTunes and left me a five-star rating and review. And don't forget to share it with someone that you love. Until next time, everyone, remember, you matter.